1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
2: You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare Podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora, and I'm joined by Max Mallow, and we're continuing to talk about this season of American Horror Story, season 10, double feature, Red Tide, a million, zillion names, I never know what to call it. But we're on to the third episode now, and initial thoughts? I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I feel like this is a filler episode. I don't really like this episode.
1: Yeah, and we've also watched the fourth episode, and at this point, with only one episode left in this half season, it has quickly gone off the rails. But that's not to say we're not enjoying it, Um, Mm -hmm. but the direction that we thought it was going to go in from episode one and two has quickly changed course. And obviously next week we'll review episode four, but if you guys are caught up because, you know, we're technically an episode behind since we only did uh, one episode when two were released at the season premiere, Uh, and you're up-to-date like we are, you probably might share the same concerns we have when it comes to just wrapping this entire half-season, first arc, whatever you want to call it, up in one episode now. So, uh, episode three definitely does a lot, and it takes the season in a direction we did not expect it to go in, but... Like I said, it doesn't mean we're not enjoying it. It's just that Mm -hmm. we're going to be a little more critical than we were compared to the pilot.
2: We're always critical. I watch this show with my boyfriend, and he's enjoying it, and I'm just sucking the fun out of it, saying it's not that good. (laughs) Because that's just how I am. But, you know, we're reviewing something, so we're going to be critical.
1: Yeah, we're not just being like, oh, hey, we watched this episode. Okay, goodbye. Everything's great. Yeah. It's the whole point of being a critic or a review. Or I don't know. I mean we're critics. Yeah. Well, who what is um Jeremy Ford said something funny to us before we did our interview with him. He's like, You guys are harsh and I was like, Oh crap, <laughs> we're too harsh. We could have tone it down a little bit. But honestly, like this is how we talk whenever we're reviewing things off-camera or off-recording yeah. when we were in the office and just being like, yo, this thing sucked. <laughs> but um, yeah, excited to talk about episode three, Thirst. Uh, it was directed by Lonnie Perister, and it was obviously written by Brad Falchuk, but this is the first episode in Red Tide that also wasn't co-written by Ryan Murphy. And in yeah. terms of U.S. viewers, uh, you know, we mentioned that the first episode had .93, And then episode 2 took a dip at 0.58, which we figured was a case of the second episode airing really late and people Mm -hmm. just catching it up on Hulu or whatever the next day. But episode 3 did 0.7, so trending upward after trending Mm -hmm. downward. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with episodes uh, 4 and 5 when it comes to reviews. But also, you know what's interesting is that it's a 10-episode f- season, right? Mm-hmm. And I expected them to split it five and five. And last time I checked, it was going to be five episodes. But now it's saying on Wikipedia that episode six is also part of this season. So I wonder if that's going to be a bridge into mm. part two.
2: Yeah.
1: So something to keep an eye on. Because it yeah. wouldn't, also wouldn't make sense to do... Six episodes of one story and then four episodes of another story. That would be, I guess, strange. So, anyway, Thirst is an interesting episode and I'm excited to review it. But of course, before we do that, we have to do our weekly hard news roundup where Natalie searched the internet for everything you need to know. Um, definitely a mixed bag of news here. Obviously, the first piece of news is very, very sad. Um, you know, the news that Michael K. Williams, best known as Omar Little uh, in The Wire, passed away at the age of 54. Uh, of course, he was also in Lovecraft Country, which is mm-hmm. the only reason this podcast exists. Uh, and just a terrible loss uh, that that we experienced this week.
2: Yeah, I, w- I was shocked to see this. Um, like you said, Lovecraft Country, he played uh, the character Montrose, who was Atticus's dad. And I mean, just a phenomenal performance. His character was so complex, and I know... You know every role that uh, Williams did was just so good, and he w- played it through and through. And I, I, mean, I was shocked. This one was a real hit.
1: Yeah, I need to, like, I've never seen The Wire, but obviously I know mm-hmm. who Omar. That's like one
2: of the best shows Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And this, uh, I'm in. You know, it's obviously like uh, such a sad passing, but like now I feel like I have to go and watch The Wire because I've been putting mm-hmm. it off for so long. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this show. And I need to experience, uh, you know, what is widely considered to be, by many, the best TV show of all time. So I'm definitely going to add that to my list and watch. But just the terrible news. Um, our, our thoughts and prayers are with, obviously, those affected by it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Um, next up, this is interesting because I didn't know this happened. So I don't know where you caught it because... Obviously, this past week was Labor Day, uh, so Mm -hmm. we all had Monday off, but I didn't know this. Rob Zombie's Halloween was the king of the Labor Day (laughs) box office. Did you know that?
2: No, I didn't, and I actually saw this on Twitter from Bloody Disgusting, um, and they had tweeted it out and were discussing it, and I had no idea, and it it had been 14 years since this movie came out, so that's... That's impressive for a movie that's pretty polarizing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely different than anything else, really, in the Halloween franchise. I remember seeing TV spots for it and being, like, scared out of my mind. Mm -hmm. But also watching, like, Halloween 1 and 2 and 3 on AMC Fear Fest and being like, this isn't so scary. But I also remember being like, okay, The Devil's Rejects, I've never seen it at that age. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that movie scares me. House of the Thousand Corpses scares me. Now that I've seen both of them, I like laugh at my little self. I'm like, "Yeah. Grow up, you <laughs> wimp." But um yeah, so it was the king of the Labor Day box office, but that is no longer uh because Shang-Chi, uh the new Marvel movie, Legend of the Ten Rings has taken over. Um so just another milestone <laughs> that Marvel has added to its uh, to its trophy case. <laughs>
2: That's crazy. I mean, I'm thinking back, I mean, Labor Day weekend, it's not like a, you know, it's not Fourth of July, it's not Christmas, it's not a time where you'd be like, oh, that's when big movies come out. But it is a long weekend, you would assume there would have been (laughs) something else that would have beaten Halloween in the last 14 years.
1: Yeah, also, you know, not to mention, there's still a pandemic going on in the world. Yeah. And uh, Bloody Disgusting has the numbers so it did uh, 30 million just over uh, 30 million back in 2007 and then it went on to do 58 million domestically and 80 million worldwide but again you know consider that a big horror reboot remake whatever you want to call it coming Mm -hmm. out on a holiday weekend not the most popular holiday weekend in the world but a holiday weekend now fast forward 14 years later Marvel is what it is of course you know we're not going to discredit Marvel for being anything other than arguably the biggest movie franchise in the entire world right now. Uh, But there's a pandemic. People have been hesitant to go back into theaters, even though they're opening up and stuff like that. And more and more Mm -hmm. movies are starting to do now (laughs) I say exclusive theater releases, which is funny because that's the way (laughs) it's always... It's it's normal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, pandemic, all that type of stuff. Shang-Chi isn't necessarily the most popular mainstream Marvel Comics character. And Mm. I feel like for the average Marvel fan, they'd be like, maybe I'll just catch that one when it's on Disney Plus or something like that. Me, hardcore Marvel fan, I'm like, this movie's going to be amazing. Super excited for it. And yeah, everything considering. It did $83.5 million over the four-day weekend. So, like, holy cow.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. I mean it's a huge number especially compared to Halloween um I haven't seen it yet I really want to see it but I think it really is that you know it's not streaming anywhere else or it's not streaming anywhere um so you know the parents are like all right we're vaccinated let's go take our kids for Labor Day weekend we need them out the house I don't know what it is and of course you know adult Marvel fans teenage Marvel fans are all seeing it too but Crazy. I'm also just. I booked up the biggest Labor Day weekend, um, and <laughs> Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers Two are both in the top ten. <laughs>
1: like, oh man, those.
2: <laughs> excuse me.
1: Those are um, those movies did not. People still like the movies, but the director had. Yes. Uh, problems. Not not, yeah. not. Not a good guy. Um, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard that. Shang-Chi is, like, in a lot of people's, like, top five Marvel movies they've ever seen. And, you know, when I mention, like, not being a popular mainstream Marvel character, it's like, for those who either got into the MCU and weren't comic book fans, it's like, okay, I get Iron Man, the Hulk, et cetera, et cetera. Mm Shang-Chi is also starting, really, phase four, I think. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But either way i've heard it's amazing if you're a huge marvel fan go watch it i'm gonna figure out some way to watch it or i'll have to wait till it comes out on streaming because the only thing i've seen technically in theaters quote-unquote is green knight and i saw that at a drive-in so
2: that's oh, not, okay it's cool. not
1: really going back into a theater but mm-hmm. still a little hesitant on that um but yeah uh, another also piece of news in terms of horror box office if you guys are interested Uh, John Squires who wrote the bloody disgusting article also mentioned at the end of it that Candyman got another uh, 10.5 million dollars and that brought it up to nearly 42 million dollars domestically 42 million dollars domestically so uh, I still haven't seen it you saw it you really liked it mixed Mm -hmm. reviews I've heard so as soon as that comes out on streaming I'm definitely going to pick it up as well yeah and then, I mean, um, our guy, uh, Yayam, uh Abdul-Mateen,
2: yeah.
1: the second, is now not only Candyman. Apparently. I don't know. No spoilers. Haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm assuming. Um, but he's. people are also saying he's going to be Morpheus in the new Matrix movie.
2: Yeah. I was going to say Matrix. I just saw stills from it, and I was like, oh, well, I have to watch this now. He
1: is killing it. <laughs> he is doing so well across... A bunch of different genres. I mean, he was an Aquaman. He was obviously Dr. Manhattan in Damon Lindelof's Watchmen on HBO, which was right. fantastic. If you guys haven't seen that, and you're not like a huge comic book fan, just watch Watchmen. It's amazing. Um, obviously, getting into horror now with Candyman, and with Lana Wachowski in The Matrix Resurrections, which I'm just... It's like blowing my mind um, how quickly... He's skyrocketed, and well-deserved. He's an amazing actor. Yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's all of our box office news. That's the most box <laughs> office we've ever talked about in this segment. <laughs> I know. Um, but another sad piece of news, um, also in the Halloween world, the early reviews are out for Halloween Kills uh, because it was shown at the Venice Film Festival. And this might be surprising, might not be surprising, But critics are crapping on it, and fans are enjoying it. So if that's your, like, you know, litmus test for, like, oh, cool, I'm going to enjoy this movie, then right up your alley. But critics are not happy with this one.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Um, If fans are liking it, then I'll probably like it. Obviously, horror movies are not for everyone, and if you're going to a film festival, you're probably – You know, your number one movie isn't going to be Halloween Kills. It's probably, you know, a handful of other dramas and critically acclaimed, you know, filmmakers that are making their new movies. This, of course, we're looking for some fun, some good kills, which I have read that it's very, very dark and very, very gory. So I still have really high hopes for this.
1: Yeah, I saw a tweet on the uh, Twitter topic that Mm -hmm. was like critics are saying. Halloween Kills is, quote, too violent. And then it's the gif of um, Donald Glover from his first, I believe it's his first special, where he just looks into the screen and goes, good. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, perfect. (laughs) Right up our alley. Right up our alley. Um, You know, Halloween 2018 had a lot of good gore in it, which we weren't expecting. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, if you can take an elevated amount of gore And then if we also get another one of those amazing one takes that they did through the neighborhood during Michael's first big spree in 2018, uh, I'm super excited. And again, we've said, we might as well call this podcast, I mean, it's named after Halloween. We love the 2018 one. We're so excited for this movie. So no matter who says it's bad, we'll make that (laughs) decision for ourselves. And we're more than likely going to like it.
2: Yeah. And it looks like on IMDb, it has an 8.1 out of 10.
1: Okay, so no. IMDb no critics
2: right? there.
1: IMDb not willing to trust it most of the time, but for this and our sake of our argument, yes, totally. <laughs> IMDb most trusted source in fan reviews of movies. Um, but yeah, it's got a fifty-three and that ugly-looking tomato splat on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, runtime it seems is an hour and forty-five. Sounds good to me. Not Bring too in. long, not too short, uh, and yeah, as long as it you know is. Cohesive, it follows the, the, the story from the first one. Ups the gore and the kills. JLC continues to kill it. We're down. I saw a dope poster too. I don't know if it was fan made or an original one, but it was a picture of Lori
2: mm-hmm.
1: with uh it was like broken up into four segments, and it was like mm-hmm. the top of her head, Michael's eyes. And then the rest of her body. And I think the caption said, like, who is the real killer or something like that. Oh. So, like, spooky. I'm down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'll need to look that up.
1: Yeah. I I used to be able to get movie posters from my grandfather. And I've wanted to, like, frame movie posters once I have, like, an actual office. Mm -hmm. And that poster definitely looks like one. That has to go on there. Yep, definitely. (laughs) That, I also have the original the evil dead reboot poster somewhere
2: mm.
1: really want to frame that one uh with jane levy like reaching up from the yep, the dirt or whatever but yeah so take that with a grain of salt of course critics not liking halloween kills and then this final piece of news is just something that i had to put in there natalie you know i had to put <laughs> it in there I haven't shown it to you yet
2: i saw you tweet about it or i saw you post about it somewhere so i knew it was coming
1: yep uh One of my favorite bands, Ice Kills, has released a new single from their upcoming album, The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood. Uh, It is called Rainy Day, and when people first saw that, they were like, oh, maybe this will be a Poltergeist song, or it'll be a I Know You Did Last Summer song. Uh, Because, for those who don't know, their last two albums uh, have been concept albums based on horror movies. So when the first teaser came out for this, and it was a white and red umbrella, I was like, yo, that's Resident Evil. I am so excited for this song. Uh, it dropped, the music video came out. Uh, if you guys have been following the music videos, that the story they're telling. Uh, funny enough, uh, James and Chelsea from Dead Meat are both in it, along with Bill Moseley, who is a horror icon. Uh, and there's some fun new cameos in this one as well, if you guys are interested. But, um, yeah, if you like metal music, if you like rock music, if you like horror games, movies, check out the song. It slaps. It's going to be awesome live when I get to see them in November. So, yeah. Go check it out. Rainy day. And then hopefully one day we can have Spencer on the podcast because he seems like an awesome dude. The interview that he did with, uh, with Dead Meat was awesome and they seemed to really kick it off and have an awesome conversation. And then when both of them popped up in their first music video that they did, Hip to be Scared, which is based on American Psycho, I was like... Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Once Upon a Time on Wall Street. I was like, yo, I know those people.
2: <laughs> All my fandoms colliding.
1: Exactly. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's your weekly horror news roundup. A little longer today than usual. Of course, you know, again, uh, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. Uh, a terrible loss. Uh, and now it's time to review American Horror Story Season 10, Episode 3 Thirst. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and can I just say as well, not just is this a filler episode, this episode makes me want a child to die, so I'm just going to say it, we need to get rid of her, she needs to go at all costs. Yeah, well, that leads me into <laughs> the opening of this episode, which kind of um, takes place right after the ending of episode two, they discover that Alma, Harry, endorses child um, who had taken one of the black pills, was eating a rabbit, and Doris found her. So the episode three opens up with Doris, you know, freaking out, saying, like, screaming she ate a rabbit, Harry kind of trying to defuse the situation, and in comes the police chief basically wanting answers as to, like, someone died, you know, your daughter's eating rabbits. There has to be a connection here somehow.
1: Yeah. Um Adina Porter, again, continues to kill it in the few amount of scenes she's been in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's an AHS veteran, uh, but obviously we know her best as, as Letty May um, mm-hmm. from True Blood, which we will get back to reviewing. We promise. We just got hooked on this season. Um, no pun intended. But <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you mentioned this is a filler episode, right? And it definitely feels like that, but it also does a ton of plot stuff, which is like weird. Yeah. Which is really That's really
2: weird. I, yeah, I feel like they just needed to like advance the plot, but it was just too much. And like it was a filler episode as in like nothing really shocking happened. It was just like all right, we need these things to happen to like progress the story and then something cool will happen.
1: Right. Like they use our main characters to explain a bunch of stuff they could have done elsewhere. Which also mm-hmm. sucks considering that if you guys saw the preview for episode four last week. Episode 4 does a lot of that as well. Um, But yeah, Chief Burleson comes in and is like, I'm going to take your daughter down to the station. (laughs) I'm like, whoa. (laughs) I don't know how this is going to end. This is very interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. But high-tension scene to kick off the episode after Episode 2 ended on a high-tension moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And as uh, Chief Burleson is trying to get Alma to come down to the station... Something very convenient, I guess, happens in the sense of getting the family out of trouble um, or Alma specifically. Um, Doris uh, has uh, phantom contractions; I think they call them, mm-hmm. or something like that. Whatever, whatever the technical term is, but uh, she falls down the stairs, experiencing contractions, uh, and I'm like, "Holy cow! Are they just gonna get like what is happening? Um, like, are they gonna have her?" Like have a miscarriage or something like that. I know. Um, but yeah, that gets him out of the police trouble because um, they they end up going to the hospital. Doris is being taken care of. They do mention that Doris has a history of miscarriages, I believe. Yeah. Um, but you know, at this point, Doris is tied up. <laughs> like she's out of the picture for this episode, uh, staying in the hospital, and once again, Harry's like cool, we'll leave town. (laughs) I'm like, bro, you're a piece of shit. I don't believe you.
2: He's absolutely terrible in this episode, much like, you know, the previous episodes. But he just, at this point, I just don't even think he cares about Doris, really. Like, he wants her to be alive and, like, you know, her to be okay. But any emotions, like, doesn't give a fuck. He really doesn't care because he tells... (laughs) conveniently tells her like, okay, you need to stay here. And Doris is like, you should get a hotel here and stay here with me. Um, It's just like in another town in Cape Cod that she's at. And Harry's like, you know what? I'll just take, we're going to go back to New York. It's fine. Let's do that. And of course Doris is like, yeah, that's what I always wanted. So you go do that. And what does he do? The exact opposite of that. Doesn't even think twice is, you know, drives them right back home and almost like, New York's the opposite way. I'm like, shut up. How would you know that?
1: (laughs) I know, right? It's just like stupid filler dialogue that they're giving these characters, which were introduced so well. Um, Also, there's like a really weird line between, I think it's Harry and Alma, if I remember correctly, where Alma's like, what are we going to do about the police chief? And Harry's like, well, if she comes snooping around again, I'm going to tell her that she almost... Cause my wife to have a miscarriage or something like that, but he, um, it's just like, whoa, dude, that is really dark, <laughs> and oh, holy cow,
2: TMI for your child,
1: right? And almost just like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. Um, but quickly, uh, before we get into a break, uh, the the thing that kicks off this episode, um, is that after, uh, Doris is hospitalized, Harry quickly figures out that Alma took a pill so that is going to Mm -hmm. be our uh the basis of our episode
2: yeah and the way that he handles it is terrible but (laughs) before we get into that (laughs) he is he is but let's take our first quick break and then we'll be right back and explain why he's a terrible bad in this episode (laughs) So yeah, so they go they both go back to town, back in P town and Harry goes through the garbage and what or whatever it is and it's like I need more pills, I need more pills. Alma comes, puts her hand out like me too and he's just like, "Sure. Here you go." So now they're just in this adventure together. Like, "Excuse me, I would be like, you're a child. I'm sorry if you get sick for a few days, but that's just what you're going to have to do. I'm not giving you" A pill so you can kill another rabbit or a human.
1: Right. Like, we've quickly been told that, you know, you don't have to take the pills for the rest of your life. You take it, you, no. d- you deal with the side effects, and you go live in a normal life for however many months out of the year that you're not in P-Town. That's what Belle Noir and Austin Summers do. Mm-hmm. But you know, Harry goes from in the car ride, yeah, you're done, you're not taking any more, I'm not dealing with that, I've been a bad father, so, you know, maybe this will be a, a good point at, you know, turning, turning life around. And then not less than five minutes later, he's giving her more drugs. And that leads to a restaurant scene where, again, we've been waiting for Harry to just take his wife out to dinner. And <laughs> still has not done that. Now, obviously, it's a little hard to because she's hospitalized, but he takes Alma out to dinner. And at the dinner, he orders a steak very rare. And I'm like, dude, that's gross. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, You know, rare, medium rare. Yeah, maybe. Uh, But gross. Uh, And yeah, it's all all a facade anyway. And the whole dinner is basically Harry explaining to his daughter how the drugs work and how they're going to make their drug-filled adventures work. (laughs) Which is just like, again terrible parenting.
2: Absolutely terrible, and then Alma is showing her evil side because she basically just drags her own mom and is like, we don't need her. Right? That's alarming. That's alarming as hell, Harry.
1: I know, like, not, like, (laughs) get your daughter under control, dude. Like, respect your elders, respect your parents. Like, what is going on? (laughs) It's it's, It's bonkers because, like, Again, we kind of knew something was up with the daughter because our first introduction to her was her counting roadkill, which is Uh a sign of concern if you were to ask me. (laughs) Or you, I'm sure. Um, Yes. But, yeah, this one pill, um, which we know what's kind of going on here because we've seen episode four, but at the time, is zero to 100 real quick. Mm -hmm. um, You know, not certified... Lover girl, certified hater, just absolutely crapping on her mom, calling her not talented, not worth it, can't come along for the ride and read the successes of both of them, you know, being a a famous musician and a famous writer. It's just like, no, kick to the curb. We don't need her anymore.
2: Yeah, and Alma, that kind of language is just dangerous. So you got to go. Let's just, like put her locked in a room and, like, make her detox and then never give her the pill again. Harry won't do this, but (laughs) that would be my thought process. But at least, at the very least, Harry tells her, you can't kill people. I'll always come and give you blood. And she's like, what if I'm 18 years old? And he's like, doesn't matter. Also, in my head, I'm like, you're going to be doing this until you're 18? You're 9 years old right now. But anyway, so at least Harry doesn't bring her on his little... Adventure to go get blood and thank God because it ends up being an absolute mess and a scene that I don't even think was necessary at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't see this coming and I watched this episode right after we finished recording last week's podcast and I'm just messaging you on Gchat being like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) This is wild. Why are we doing this? Um, Also, we forgot to mention that uh, in episode two, Harry went rogue and already broke the rules yeah. of Bell Noir and Austin Summers uh, by killing that guy under the dock. So that had led to why Chief Burleson was becoming more and more suspicious anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So just mentioning that we forgot to to bring that up. But again, he's going out on his own, going rogue, doing stuff that, you know, he really shouldn't be doing considering that he's a new member of the Society thing, I guess, of these rich and famous elite. Um, But yeah, he does the whole Craigslist thing. He's like, all right, let me go find some person who's selling something. Ends up at this house, and this woman is there uh, selling a Blu ray player or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts to get pretty uncomfortable because Harry's like, I'm just a writer, Uh, I'm just here for the Blu ray player. and she starts to make advances towards him, the the woman. And he's like, no, like, I'm sorry. That's it. Uh, and she's like, why are you sorry? And he's like, I'm sorry, because, you know, he's about to kill her and get the mm-hmm. blood. Uh, but as soon as that happens, Bonk, he gets knocked out from behind. And I'm like, "Uh oh, like. Are we doing some like angle where there's like hunters of these people Mm -hmm. and they're like trying to rid the world of these elite who were taking a drug and getting ahead in life that way i'd be like yo that's sick that's
2: not it at all that's not (laughs) it at all that would have been way better honestly anything would have been way better this was definitely for the shock factor and it was pretty cheap but what ends up happening is (laughs) he's forced to take viagra And it's explained that this guy that's there is going to have sex with him for a snuff film, and it's going to be very violent, and he's told that he's going to die. So I don't know what is going on in his head, but it's definitely (laughs) not what he thought going into this house thinking, I'm going to drain these people and get some blood from my nine-year-old daughter. Right. Both very fucked up. But... Yeah, I don't know why
1: this was here. Right. And, like, my brain was, like, fried by this moment. And this whole scene that was going on, I'm like, what is going to happen? Like, I I wasn't able to put the wires together in my head to be like, oh, he's going to get out of this somehow. I was just like, is he going to get, like, snuffed and that's going to be the end of the season? I'm so confused. (laughs) I was just so mentally fried by what was going on here. Um, But, yeah, it's also just extremely like graphic in in its nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, she's like, he's going to have sex with you and you're going to have sex with me and then you're going to get your brains blown out. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, And they start to film it and I'm like, holy cow, they're going through with this. Um, I know,
2: I was scared. I was like, I really hope they don't just have a rape scene right here because people would be pissed about that, I'm sure.
1: It's just, again, so out of left field for what this season Mm -hmm. was. Um, so far, but you know, when Harry is tied up and they start to film, I'm like, "What is he going to do here?" And then he pulls the caps off of his teeth, revealing his his uh, his mouth of fangs, and I'm like, "Oh, right, okay, cool." Um, and he he's able to get himself uh, unrestrained, bites through the ropes that they tied him up in, um, and he gets the upper hand. On his captors, ends up killing both of them. Um, the scene then spirals even more out of control because he kills the woman, and then the man who starts to blame it all on the woman and say it's, it was her mm-hmm. idea. I didn't want to do this, um, but he's sitting there with a gunshot wound in his stomach, and he's feeding on the woman. He's like, "You're gonna make me. W- you're gonna watch while I feed on her, and then I'm gonna feed on you." So he essentially turned the tables on what was going on there
0: mm-hmm. with the
1: whole idea of this snuff film, but. Just bizarre. Absolutely out of left field. He's also still got Viagra in his system. It's just just super weird. But he kills both of them, gets out, and that's it. I don't know if the writers were like, look, we're making the killing scenes too easy. We need Harry to figure out some way to get out of a a sticky situation. And this is what they came up with. But again, it's so weird and out of left field.
2: Yeah, I wasn't a fan. They could have made it so much more interesting... Or, I don't know, like, it did nothing to advance the story except for, you know, he's not as experienced as maybe he thought he was, I guess, is the moral of (laughs) that whole scene. But we do get a really good scene after that, I guess, good or gross or both, is (laughs) Harry's able to bring, you know, blood back for Alma, and she just drinks a blood soup as if it's something from Panera Bread, and... (laughs) It's like so gross, and I love it. And like, she's the worst, and the whole thing is just a lot.
1: It is a lot. I mean, you know, tomato soup from Panera Bread's a good shout out. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, man. Ew. And it, oh, God. It just looked like beet soup or something. I don't know. It was really gross. I don't know why he did it like that. Just put it in the glass, make her drink it like a normal blood drinker. <laughs>
1: Ugh, just absolutely gross. Um, But yeah, at this point, I feel like Harry feels that he can conquer the world. He was able to escape to people who wanted to kill him. Yeah, and he um, is—he feels invincible at this point. But all of this is going on, and you're kind of like, okay, now what direction are we going in? Because (laughs) we are are definitely stagnant on a point of like everyone just taking drugs and becoming extremely successful and talented at whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but that leads to a surprise visit uh, from someone who we thought was in Los Angeles the entire time, uh, but has taken a flight apparently, uh, and that's his agent Ursula, who shows up um, to visit Harry in P-Town and uh, she has some exciting news for him Uh, Quentin Tarantino wants Harry to write a movie for him or a TV show or something and I'm like okay (laughs) I love Quentin Tarantino. A lot of people love Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because the line they use is, <laughs> Ursula says Quentin Tarantino told her that he's a better writer than Quentin <laughs> than himself. And I'm like, how good is he? Is like, this guy, yeah. Right. And like, you know, you can just suspend your disbelief and just, you know, buy into it. But also, we've never seen how good of a writer he technically is. He hasn't had any fame and success. It's all just relayed from Ursula to him about Netflix and Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and, and name drops and stuff like that. But to go from, like, Netflix picking up a script to Quentin Tarantino said to somebody, that guy's a better writer than I'll ever be. And, you know, that's, that's not to say Quentin Tarantino is the best writer of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going full Homer status right now <laughs> for, for Tarantino. But it's just, again, it's weird. It's just spiraling out of control
2: I know I wonder if like this might be too much overthinking but I wonder if the more you take the pills the better you are or I wonder if it's like the first time you take it that's just like the you're always going to be that good
1: hmm, it
2: probably isn't that thought out
1: but <laughs> well I mean you know we can't mention what happens in episode 4 because uh, we get some explanation to it but mm-hmm. it's a good point and I wonder if there's you know side effects to it that you're mentioning. Um, but, yeah, Ursula's in town now. Um, you know, Harry goes to to babysit, uh, or Ursula's babysitting, uh, while Harry goes to... Where does he go? Is that when he goes to get... No. He goes to do something uh, else.
2: Uh, yeah, I think he's just home now, because then Ursula goes to the restaurant, and then she gets to meet, like, right. Austin Bell, Mickey, all of them. So I guess... Harry's just home with Alma trying to figure his shit
1: out. Right. Um, but yeah, the the restaurant scene um, again, just adds more shit to the fan really because <laughs> like you said, Ursula uh, sees Belle and Austin performing in the restaurant like they have been pretty much all season long. Again, mm-hmm. also, I feel like we've been saying summer, at least I have been. Is it winter? Is it the summertime?
2: Oh, it's, it's winter, right?
1: I think so. It's winter. I think I've been saying mm-hmm. summer the entire time, but either way. Um, winter makes more sense.
2: Yeah, because off-season.
1: right? And uh, we're all
2: wearing coats. I think somebody said it might have been episode four, but it's not a spoiler. I think somebody said October.
1: Right. That's good but point.
2: that might have been... flash. Never mind. Whatever.
1: Maybe. I screwed up by saying summer <laughs> for however many episodes I did. Um, I didn't even notice. But... Yeah, so Ursula's sitting at the bar, eating her food, doesn't seem very uh, appetized or Mm -hmm. excited by the food that is is given to her. Uh, She gets more and more annoyed at the fact that Belle and Austin are singing, and also Mickey comes up and starts to talk to her, because Mickey talks to everybody in town. Um, But she basically tells Belle and Austin to go fuck themselves and to stop singing while she's eating, (laughs) which is like just extremely rude.
2: I know. I understand. Like if you don't, you know, you don't prefer the music or anything like that, but it's like, who does that?
1: Right. Um, but yeah, Mickey kind of figures out that Ursula is a Hollywood agent. And obviously we know Mickey took a pill in episode 2, so mm-hmm. he's like, oh hey, I wrote this script, can you take a look at it? And she's again, not interested by it, she's just in a very bad mood for whatever reason, even though finding out that she's probably going to make a ton of money off the fact that one of her clients
2: Tarantino. is, <laughs> is
1: going to write up a script for Tarantino, yeah. Um, but she leaves, Mickey ends up tracking her down on the beach because she went from just eating food to going out and hanging out um, on the beach, going for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is weird because like, um, you know you just said how much you hate this town and now yeah. you want to just go for a walk on the beach it's, it's really weird motivations are all over the place um, uh-huh. Mickey tracks her down gives her his script um, and she's reading and she's like huh this is really good but she immediately figures out that something is up because she's like how could someone like you write a script this good and how could uh-huh. Harry who couldn't write, you know, whatever. She makes some kind of insult to him. Um, you know, six months ago, now writing all these big things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mickey quickly spills the beans on what's going up, which is like, I thought this was some big, like town secret.
2: I know. I know. It's weird how so many people know, and they're not secretive, but not more people know, like outside of the town. Right. Or the police.
1: Yeah. So, so <laughs> Ursula, Wants to talk more of Mickey, figure things out. What's going on in town? Um, she goes home. She's up. She's she's up to something, and she knows something. Okay. Uh, but she babysits. This is where the babysitting comes in. She takes care of Alma for the night while Bell, Austin, and Harry go out together to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and two things go on immediately. Ursula is like, "Let's talk, honey." And I'm like, "Oh, is she going to pry this nine year old for information about a drug?" <laughs> Um, but while that's going on, Bell <laughs> and Austin have figured out that Alma is taking the pill, mm-hmm. and Bell holds him up at gunpoint and is like, "You got to stop. You got to cut that out right now because she sees the thermos in his backpack yeah. to make well, the,
2: like who's that for?
1: Right, the blood soup. And <laughs> also, he could have just been like, "It's for me. I just want to have some just in case I get hungry, and I don't yeah. have to go out and kill people and you know be like." You know, have the thought of killing on my mind, as I'm super hungry. So I just have some as a reserve, a little True Blood in my fridge, if you would. I know. And he's like, Nah, my daughter took the pills. I don't know what to do. (laughs)
2: They're like, How old? Nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I hate him. I hate him. He's the
2: worst. Terrible.
1: He's the worst. He's Um, he's handsome, but he's terrible. Yeah, Um, but that ends up. You know, he's like, I'll, you know, I'll get my daughter off the pill. I'll figure it out, etc. Mickey goes out to a beach. He ends up killing somebody. gets into this long fight, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what is going to happen here? Because this is a direction where they could have gone somewhere different with it. It could have, like, ended up having Mickey get killed or really hurt, and he had to go to the hospital, and they tested his blood for something, and that led Chief Burleson down a trail for more information, but... No, he's just, you know, struggles for... He gets his ass beat by this other guy yeah. hanging out underneath the dock. Which, like, is that just like a thing where, like, there's a guy in a leather jacket hanging out underneath the dock? And, like, <laughs> if one dies, a new one replaces him? Like an NPC in, like, a video game or something <laughs> like that?
2: Apparently. And apparently, I mean, it seemed like they knew each other, too. Because he said, Mickey, like, what are you doing? Or whatever. Um, I mean, I guess anyone who's there during the off season kind of knows each other, but I like that scene just visually because then by the time Mickey actually is able to kill this guy, like you said, it, it's, a, it's a couple of minutes or two minutes or so. Um, he's able to you know like stab him, starts eating on him, feeding on him, not eating on him. and they're on the shore and it's like the the water goes up and then down and it takes some of the blood out and then they zoom out. Very, very aesthetically pleasing, but yeah, that was kind of it. That that's how that scene ended, and then you know, no repercussions for Mickey, I don't think.
1: Yeah, it's a red tide. Yeah. <laughs> if you would, but yeah, cool shot. <laughs> Love the cinematography throughout most of the season. Actually, Ameri- mm-hmm. American Horror Story always has really good cinematography. Um, but yeah, Harry's breaking the rules. Mickey's breaking the rules, and you're like, shit's gonna hit the fan. When? When is it going to hit the fan? Um, But, yeah, I don't know. It still kind of remains a mystery.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then during this time, too, we get the introduction of Dennis O'Hare for, like, two minutes. Um, I wrote down his name, Holden Vaughn, and he says he's an interior designer, and I guess he was on the beach, so uh, Mm -hmm. Chief is questioning him, and that's kind of all we got about him i was really confused i feel like you could just blank and then you'd miss him
1: yep i again i love dennis o'hare uh he was awesome in murder house he's obviously russell edgington to you and i forever <laughs> i um, love him but yeah it's definitely a weird character creates some weird tension between um him and chief burleson just to i guess kind of further the plot along with the police chief mm-hmm. and like have her suspicions raised a little higher, um, but yeah, because uh, he's like, yeah, hey, someone got murdered on the beach. And he goes, Do you want to come to the station and make a statement? He's like, I just did, and he leaves. I'm like, <laughs> okay, bye.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming he'll come back, but I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming he'll come back, but that was kind of just odd. We'll see if that has any real significance or not.
1: Right, um, but yeah, after that, we actually get some really good. Um, plot advancement here because we get a full introduction of the Mm -hmm. character known as the chemist um, which is probably now the most exciting part of the show for me at this point when I was watching this episode I was like okay cool I want to know all about you and Mm -hmm. everything you do
2: yeah I agree and her character is also just awesome Um, but yeah so basically Ursula tells Mickey like a studio wants to buy your script I'll only help you if you introduce me to you know this person the chemist because I need to figure out you know Everything that's going on so Ursula ends up kind of proposing a deal for the chemist which I mean of course these drugs are Illegal no one really knows about them So I don't know how easy she really thought the chemist was going to agree to this but basically Ursula is like I'll like pick some my writers who are really good they'll take the pills and then we'll give you like 10% of their earnings um, and the chemist is pretty much just like, no I'm not going to do that
1: Right, um, trying to blackmail the the queen of the town essentially was, <laughs> is how the chemist is presented um, and the chemist is played by Angelica Ross who was obviously in 1984 um, so another uh, American Horror Story alum appearing as a character here um, and yeah it's it's strange because like uh Ursula has come to town and it's just causing problems mm-hmm. and I'm like, how is this gonna end? like what is going to happen here? like people are just gonna start dropping dead and there's gonna be like a big fight in town uh, you know, outsiders versus insiders it's sh- <laughs> it's so weird, it's so weird and out of control, but uh, you know, it's again not to the point where I'm like, this is stupid, I don't care anymore. I'm just like, yeah. It's like a car crash. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm waiting for this, you know, to happen and show it to me. And I'll just be, you know, upset because car crashes aren't good. Um, But, you know, you've you've sown the seeds. Now make it happen.
2: I know. I agree. And it's just so funny because Leslie Grossman, right, who plays Ursula, she always plays the most annoying characters on the show. (laughs) and i just want to like punch her but you know she's a good actress and it's the same goes for her i'm like ursula go away <laughs> all you care about is advancing you know your writers so you make more money which makes sense but it does annoy me um so i guess we're getting to the end of this episode here which i really like the ending but uh let's take our final break and then we'll be right back So as the chemist is talking, I like how they did this The chemist is talking to, um, Mickey and Ursula. And then they also have kind of parallel her talking to Belle and Austin right after the fact. Um, and she's explaining, you know, what happened and basically, you know, told them, no, I didn't agree to this. Why would I do that? Um, and she basically tells them that, uh, Mickey, Ursula, Harry, Alma, and Doris, all of them have to be killed
1: right it's just like yeah kill everybody and the child like i'm like holy cow what is about to happen here like are we gonna get francis conroy and um evan peters just like doing like a like a mob murder scene who's just like walking in and murdering an entire family I, i don't know what's about to happen here um but yeah i really like this scene as well very well shot super cool and also it adds some like question marks to the chemist, because obviously the chemist is the one who's controlling everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to attach, like, Breaking Bad to it, but, like, you know, Walter White was just the chemist. He was the one making the, mm-hmm. the meth, but he obviously became Heisenberg, who was the kingpin and, the you know, the man to be feared. But it seems like the chemist is just, like, making them and doesn't really care what goes on, just, like, doesn't want yeah. trouble, which is... Interesting, because I thought the chemist would be like, again, the 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 mastermind controlling everything Mm -hmm. already. Money. Right, already has a ton of money, is super rich. But um, yeah, super interesting, and that leads to um, basically Mickey breaking into Ursula's hotel and going into her room, into the bathroom where she's taking a bath, and is like ready to kill her um and just get her out of the way but while uh they're both there uh Ursula's like hey they want you to write the new speed racer <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like okay Netflix walking phoenix Quentin Tarantino speed racer speed racer it's like that sounds to me like bs I don't know about mm-hmm. you. And that's not the crap on Speed Racer and anybody who's a huge fan of Speed Racer but it just like doesn't sound as genuine coming from Ursula this time mm-hmm. so I don't know if there's something up there but you know that obviously gets Mickey super excited because he apparently is a huge Speed Racer fan <laughs> um, and who knows maybe Ursula did her research I don't know I know
2: right yeah I know that did seem kind of like maybe she was lying
1: right Um, but yeah, that's like part of the whole plan. Um, and that's to get her a meeting with the chemist and stuff like that. I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that, uh, or maybe not. I can't remember. She mentioned speed racer at the restaurant when he, he, she's like talking to him about the pills. I can't remember.
2: I think it's, it is when she's in the bathtub and then she's like basically just being like, take me to see her that's the only way I'll sign you and help you kind of thing.
1: Right, right, right. Um, But yeah, Ursula ends up going to the chemist and hatching this deal of, you know, you give me X, I'll pay you, and we'll we'll figure things out from there. Seems like a nice little distributor deal for Ursula because she wants to make this army of you know, A-list writers or something like Mm -hmm. that, which is, again, not the direction I thought this season was going. Um, But Uh, The chemist is like, yeah, no, get out of my house. Like, this is too much trouble. I don't want this. Um, And then that's where the whole murder plot is like, yeah, everyone needs to die. Mm -hmm. Too too many problems or you all stop getting your drugs. And um, again, Francis Conroy and Evan Peter just like, I guess so. Yeah. Fine. (laughs) Like, of course, these two characters are like cold-blooded killers. They've murdered a ton of people already. But it's also just funny that I'm just like they're supposed to act as like hitmen and go and just kill people. It's so, so weird to me, but it works. I mean, Francis, like Bell Noir and Austin Summers are probably my two favorite characters in this season so far.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just curious to see now if that's what's going to happen next or something else. But then of course our very, very end of this episode, uh, Harry like we said uh, Ursula was uh, babysitting Alma again Um, and then Ursula's like I'm just gonna go up and nap so she's alone Um, Chief Burleson comes in and you know is trying to talk to Alma making some small talk she really wants to you know talk to her about the rabbit if she saw anything all that kind of stuff and (laughs) Alma is just like fuck this and kills her and feeds
1: from her yeah um,
2: I don't like okay I know that Burleson's not expecting a 9 year old to just stab her but I don't know I feel like how could a 9 year old just do that I guess when you're not expecting it anyone can do anything but I don't powerful don't <laughs> it's,
1: it's like weird to me too cause like I didn't see this coming at all yeah and like now watching it and looking back on it you're like okay, why did she even let her into the house in the first place unless murdering her was on her mind to begin with? Like, she could have been like, my it parents... probably was. Yeah, maybe. And being like, <laughs> you know, my parents aren't home. I don't think you should come in. Like, obviously she's nine years old. Maybe she doesn't know to say that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I totally get it.
2: But she knows that New York is east and they're going west or whatever the hell she said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. She knows compasses and that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, but she doesn't know to tell a cop not to come in because her parents aren't home. Okay, sure, whatever you're telling me. I here.
2: thought she was gonna kill Ursula. I was convinced she was gonna eat Ursula.
1: Right, that's but... why. Yeah, like that would have been like just convenient that like getting one problem out of the way and that would have bought Alma and Harry some good faith maybe. Um mm-hmm. But no, yeah, like you mentioned, Chief Broson comes in completely unaware of what's about to happen to her gets her throat slit, and Alma goes down. Buffet, in her mind, right now. Um, (laughs) And I message you on Chat. I'm like, no, what is going on? Like, how could you kill Adina Porter so quickly?
2: (laughs) I know, I was mad. I didn't want her to die.
1: Me either. And now it just seems like these two are just like, like, it doesn't necessarily leave me with good faith that there's going to be like a... Happy ending <laughs> resolution, which there doesn't have to be, you know it's American horror story it's not like it's American crime story or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't seen, but I'm assuming that you know the whole point of it is justice is served in some sense, but you know there's definitely been unhappy endings in this show already, so Harry comes home um and I thought like, okay, cool, they killed her, let's hide the body. <laughs> nope, she's just hanging out. Yeah. Drip, uh, draped over a, a coffee table. Again, throat slid open. Alma was just feeding. She's
2: happy about it. Yeah.
1: And Ursula and Alma are sitting at uh, the pass-through window or whatever in the dining room, and they're like, Harry, we need to talk. And <laughs> I'm just like, what? Oh, man. Oh, no, no, no.
2: I know. It's like we knew Ursula was savage, but for her to just have, like, no reaction at all and, you know, she's about to talk to Harry and be like, here's the scheme I have. Now that I know all about the black pill, we're gonna, you know, sell it or whatever. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> I would have appreciated, like, because obviously no, like, Harry and Alma both don't know that Ursula knows. Mm-hmm. I would have, like really appreciated and liked a scene where Ursula walks in on Alma, killing the chief, and Alma being like, oh my god, like, don't tell my mom and my dad or something like that, that I did this. And Ursula being like, oh no, like, I know everything that's going on, and I'm now mm-hmm. going to corrupt her mind even more than it already is. Miss, I can't bro kill. Um, <laughs> Or kill. Like, I feel
2: like, though, I feel like Alma just has no shame or, like, remorse at this point. Like, I don't even think she would be like, don't tell my parents. I don't think she was full-on psycho at this point.
1: Like, there's no... There's nothing seen there. It's just like, death of the police chief, Harry comes home, and... Alma and Ursula have apparently already hashed things out and and concocted a plan which again she's just come to town and caused absolute havoc in 45 minutes of runtime Mm -hmm. it's wild
2: yeah so that's the episode there are like a couple scenes that I like but overall I thought it was kind of boring Um, what do you think out of 10
1: Man, you know it's funny that you mentioned it's a filler episode, right? Because like I didn't think like that at all when I first watched mm-hmm. it, but now after talking about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. It did a lot that, like, it did further the plot along. Yeah, but nothing was like extremely accomplished outside of Ursula. It mm-hmm. just added this new variable to our situation. Um, so an F out of ten, F being filler. No, um. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. Uh, you know what sucks too is that after watching the preview of episode four, which we can kind of talk mm-hmm. about if everyone has seen the the preview for it, th- made me like this episode even less because I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh no, you're doing that now." We're almost
2: done. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, What did I give the last one? Six point five.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: Ah uh, man, six.
2: Yeah, I think a solid six is fine. Like it was enjoyable. Like there were still a few up, there are a few scenes I liked. It's not like I watched this and was like, I'm not finishing the season. This was so bad. But it didn't do anything for me. I feel like the whole Ursula plot they could have done 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, I would have as much rather preferred if it focused on Harry and Alma's like now adventures of like him trying to figure out whether or not doing right by his daughter that decision is made very Mm -hmm. quickly in his mind um also Doris just added this episode which is like annoying because like she was like the only one that was holding on to like what is good in this family still um and they're just like you're in the hospital now (laughs) like okay um and they have so much to do because like they did a lot but it was a little if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know
2: yeah. And just the whole I don't know. I thought it was honestly just kind of boring.
1: Yeah, not <laughs> which sucks because again a lot happens. Like
2: there's, Yeah.
1: There's a whole snuff scene, which is again, why are we doing this? Um
2: shock factor. That was it. I swear. That had to have been it.
1: Yeah. They could've removed that and just like done something else that could have been more substantial to the plot. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I think a six. I've got like I've gone from seven point five to six point five to six. I think you were like seven point five seven, and now six. So
2: yeah, something like that.
1: Both on a downward trend, and yeah, we've talked about it. The preview for episode four. We'll obviously talk about episode four last week. We're not dumping this, you know. Everyone, yeah. Everyone who's listening, you're coming along for the ride too. Um, <laughs> but uh, episode four is a full-on flashback episode, mm-hmm. which explains everything that goes on uh, in the build-up to creating the drug gives us our background on the chemist on Belle Noir and Austin Summers, which is awesome. Their backstory in this episode is really, really good. Excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But man. nervous
2: for what comes after.
1: Yeah, like you're making a huge commitment now to leave it up to what we thought was one episode but it might be one and a half, might be two. Mm-hmm. Um Or maybe it's a 12-episode season and we just missed that. Also possible, we've been known to miss things. Um, (laughs) Nobody's perfect, as Hannah Montana said. But, um, again, it's just a weird decision because, like, there's so much we want done. Like, you're going to have to explain, like, what life is like outside of P-Town. You can't just be like, these people are rich and famous and they're only here a couple months out of the year. I want to see, like, what are the, the... benefits of going through what you're going through now. Not just like I've sold a million books of this one book and a little spoiler of the next episode it's about George Washington and Martha Washington having sex. <laughs> just, oh, <laughs> Not man. spoilers. Sorry, no, I'm just sorry. kidding. Yeah. Um,
2: I just confirmed Entertainment Weekly says there are 10
1: episodes. So it's a 10 so. episode season. Yeah. So yeah, maybe episode 6 is like the, the bridge in between one into two and if Red Tide and we haven't said the name of the next one if you don't want to be mm-hmm. spoiled by it it is out there and available and we both know what it is um, but if they connect each other cool that'll make me happy
2: yeah I hope they do
1: but also if they're just two separate stories you're now kind of sliding the second half by only giving it four episodes um, and maybe it could be an error on Wikipedia I don't know the most trusted and untrusted source in the history of the mm-hmm. world Um <laughs> But, yeah. I Also, like, not to tube my own horn or anything like that, but that whole, like, side plot I came up with in my head of, like, the hunters who are out there to get... Yeah! I was I came up with that off the top of the dome, and <laughs> I was like, yo, this sounds so cool in my head. And it, I'm like, why aren't they doing this now? I'm so upset.
2: I know, I really like it. You should, uh, take the pill and then get their attention. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I'm good. I've seen what happens. I've seen what happens, but yeah, like, that would be so cool. If it was a full season, I feel like maybe they could have done that and done, like, a whole side angle of, like, you know, people out there to get the, the secret society of of drug addicts, essentially. Hang um, But, yeah, I'm very concerned now with what happens in 5 and 6 because we'll talk about 4 next week and 4 does nothing to further what happens in 3, which is a bit of a spoiler but if you saw the trailer for it you know that already
2: Yeah, and I'm not necessarily mad about it because I do really like the episode no spoilers, but 5 and 6 are really going to have to be mind-blowing Yeah, (laughs) they have to get 8s out of us for it to be worth it
1: yeah, and you know my review I think I'll give 4 a higher score than I will 3 even though yeah. 4 does nothing.
2: Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's really good.
1: Yeah, and it's also uh, technically the, I believe it's the Halloween episode more or less. Right? Because there's always a season, there's always an episode in an American Horror Story season that goes after Halloween.
2: Yeah. Um, Halloween is involved, so.
1: Yeah, and we get we get some answer to uh, the Nosferati, which is super yeah. super interesting. Like I always say Nos, like it's some like mixture of like Volturi and Illuminati. <laughs> And fraud too. But um, yeah, uh, super excited to talk about that episode next week. And let us know. We... Sucks. Sucks. That we... Also, first time... Oh, wait, no. Did we agree on the first episode what we scored it? Or did you give I it? Think,
2: I think I said a 7, not a 7.5. I think I did both episode 7s.
1: I thought you gave it an 8. <laughs> Maybe not.
2: I don't think so. Because I didn't love it. I thought it was, like, pretty good. But...
1: Okay. So, yeah. Either way, um, it's downhill. Yeah. But, you but... know, it's, roller coasters have to go down for them to come up, but also roller coasters essentially then do have to go down again. So hopefully this episode just stops and the roller coaster breaks and you just, you know, not Final Destination 3 style, but like you're just <laughs> sitting up top waiting for the mechanic to come get you and take you off the ride
2: perfect that sounds good i hope so as well so yeah definitely let us know what you think of the season if you agree with our ratings if you totally disagree with us we want to hear your thoughts um you can tweet at us my twitter handle is at natalie zamora with two a's at the end and then max is at odd slice so let us know what you think if you love this season and we're completely wrong you should tell us because that would be good to hear And be sure to listen next week when we get into the fourth episode of the season.